Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Secular Buddhism Podcast. This is episode 167. I am your host, Noah Roshetta, and today I'm going to talk about the Buddhist teaching of aimlessness. As always, keep in mind you don't need to use what you learned from Buddhism to be a Buddhist. You can use what you learned to be a better whatever you already are. If you are interested in learning more about Buddhism, check out my book, No Nonsense Buddhism for Beginners, available on Amazon, or listen to the first five episodes of this podcast, and you can find those episodes easily by visiting secularbuddhism.com and clicking on the Start Here link. If you're looking for a community to practice with and to interact with, consider becoming a patron by visiting secularbuddhism.com and clicking the link to join our community. So the Buddhist teaching of the three doors of liberation, these three doors are formlessness, signlessness, and aimlessness. And in this episode, I want to talk about the third one, specifically aimlessness. But just as a quick recap, formlessness, the first one, uh, also talked about as emptiness or interdependence, this is the understanding of non-self or the realization that there is no permanent thing. All things have causes and conditions or parts that make it what it is. Uh, the expression, this is because that is. This is the understanding of the interdependent nature of things. And the analogy that I use often when I talk about this is that you can picture a car. And if you were to take that car and disassemble it into all of its parts, uh, you wouldn't be able to go and pick which one of those parts is the car, because there is no car without all of its parts. You may have wheels, steering wheel, engine, you know, the parts that make the car, but none of those are the car. It's all of it together that makes the car. And the implication of this understanding is that there is no such thing as a car that exists independent of its parts. And this is a very powerful teaching when you visualize this and understand this about a car, and even more important or more powerful when you start to view yourself and others through the same lens of, of formlessness. The second door is signlessness. And this is uh, the understanding that the outer appearance of things, in other words, their sign, can mislead us to thinking that it's a permanent thing. An example of this is, uh, you can look at a cloud. A cloud looks like a cloud, but if you look at it long enough, the cloud eventually becomes rain. Rain uh, ends up watering the plants. Plants end up being uh, plucked out and eaten, and so on. And what happens is you see that the cloud is never permanently what it is. Uh, things are always changing. So signlessness, another way of, of thinking about this is impermanence. The cloud never dies, right? It, it transforms into something else. The form changes, but nothing is ever lost. The same thing that went into making the cloud be a cloud, all those elements are still there in some other way, in some other fashion. When we realize signlessness, when we, are, uh, we realize this when we're no longer attached to temporary forms. The Buddha taught that where there is a sign, there is deception. And, and this is the implication of this understanding. If I look at a cloud and all I see is a cloud, then I'm not seeing clearly what's really there because to see the cloud also involves seeing 
all of the other uh, things that are um, that make the cloud a cloud: sunshine, temperature, um, that you know, the the cloud turning into rain, flowers, all the things. So, uh, constant change or impermanence. That's another good way to think of signlessness. Then we move on to this third door, and this is aimlessness, and this is the topic of the podcast episode for today. Aimlessness, Thich Nhat Hanh says, uh, Thich Nhat Hanh says that we we are endlessly running uh, after love, wealth, happiness, enlightenment, whatever. Uh, aimlessness means uh, you are not attached to the goal. In other words, there is no object of pursuit. The path itself is the goal. And what arises out of this understanding is the realization that you really have no agenda that you need to be working on. There's nothing that you need to prove to anyone. And a sense of liberation or freedom arises when you realize this. Now, uh, so aimlessness, the word that is used in the Buddhist teachings to refer to aimlessness is translated to aimlessness, but it's also translated to wishlessness. And I like this. Um, think of this as having no goal. You know, when, when we talk about Buddhism, the most important or perhaps the key teaching of Buddhism is that suffering or discontent or discomfort or anguish, there are many translations for this, uh, arises when we want things to be other than how they are. So think of this as the flip side of that. What is it that we experience or what is it that arises when we don't wish for things to be any different than how they are? This is the notion of wishlessness or aimlessness. Uh, when I don't wish for anything to be any different than how it is right now, what is that feeling? I, I know that we've all experienced this from time to time and perhaps only for brief moments. It may be while you're looking at a sunset or enjoying a song or a dinner or the company of a loved one or holding a ch your child for the first time. You know, these are instances where for a brief moment, for however long that moment lasts, you don't need anything to be any different than how it is. And in that moment, you're experiencing this aimlessness or wishlessness. You, you, you don't want anything to be any different than how it is. So the idea is that we can experience more of this feeling in our lives when we understand uh, the nature of reality. So uh, one expression that comes to mind, and this is from Ikkyu, the uh, Zen uh, poet, Zen master, uh, he has, this is a quote attributed to him, that where he says, having no destination, I am never lost. And that's hinting again at this notion of aimlessness. If I don't have a specific place where I think I need to be, I'm not lost, right? You're only lost when you're not where you, where you intended to be. But if you have no intention to be anywhere, then you're not lost. And I think uh, as, as funny and silly as that quote can sound and seem, it's actually quite profound to imagine what it would be like to live a life of wishlessness where you can't ever be lost because you have no destination where you intend to be. So aimlessness implies that you don't need to put anything in front of you as the object of your pursuit. We can achieve this uh, when we realize that what we are looking for is not outside of ourselves. Everything we need, everything we're looking for 
is already here inside of us. You know, the expression, you are what you are looking for, uh, or you are the one you've been waiting for. These are expressions that kind of hint at this notion. And I think concentrating on aimlessness eases the longing and the craving that we so often experience uh, that's centered in focusing on the future and elsewhere. I'm thinking of the future and somewhere else rather than focusing on the here and now. And a lot of people spend their lives running after these things, running after, um, well, there are lots of things that we run after, right? But we're running instead of enjoying the simple experience of just being alive. We run after happiness. We run after love. We run after relationships, money, fame, success. And even we run after spiritual enlightenment, right? We, we, we tend to chase after this thing, whatever the carrot is that we say, when I reach that, when I finally achieve this thing I'm after, then life will be okay. And when we spend some time understanding what is it that we're chasing after, because first of all, let's be honest, a lot of times we don't know what we're chasing after. We think we're chasing after one thing, but upon a little bit of introspection and uh, insight, we may realize, oh, I'm actually chasing after this other thing. Uh, an example here, you know, you might think, well, what I'm really chasing after is this uh, career. I don't know, a career choice that I think uh, is going to make me happy. And if someone says, well, why are you chasing after that career? Oh, it's because it's going to make me money. So I think what I want is money or I think I'm going to enjoy it. So what I'm chasing after is having a career that I'll enjoy. And upon further introspection, you may realize, oh, no, I'm chasing after this career because I want to please the w wishes of my parents. You know, my my parents wanted me to be this. Or uh, this is I'm chasing after this career because that's how I will obtain the uh, approval of my uh, society. Or, you know, there, there may be another reason that when you go digging is actually deeper than what you thought was the original reason. And that's that's what I'm hinting at here with this um, notion of, of first understanding what is it that you're chasing after um, and then the, the insight that arises when you spend time with that. So the thing that we're chasing for, what if it's already available in the here and now? So this insight helps us to stop chasing. Uh, you've heard the expression, stop and smell the roses. And it's only when we stop or slow down that we realize what's happening. Uh, in this case, if you're running and you're running through uh, past roses, as an example, you, it may have never occurred to you that the roses even have a smell. But if you stop and you detect, huh, what is this thing I'm smelling? And then you get closer and you realize, oh, this is the smell of a rose. What did you just gain? New insight that wouldn't have, uh, you wouldn't have attained had you not stopped or, or not slowed down. So uh, I like this overall thought of slowing down. And I like to correlate this with something that Alan Watts used to say, where, where he said, quote, you are something the whole universe is doing in the same way that a wave is something that the whole ocean is doing. The real deep down you is the whole universe, close quote. Think about this with a wave. A wave doesn't need to prove it's anything other than the ocean. Uh, the wave is not concerned with that. When we see 
Uh, I've used this analogy before, but when we see a tree in the forest and it's crooked, it has a branch or the trunk is crooked, we don't think, oh, that's not how that tree should be. We don't, we don't carry notions of a proper tree shape and an improper tree shape. Those are concepts that we just don't hold. We don't have them. We don't look at the clouds and, and identify which, which of the clouds are misshapen. We don't do that because the notion of a misshapen cloud doesn't exist in our minds. And through aimlessness, what we, what we can do is we start to extinguish notions. We start to extinguish ideas and concepts that we have. If I realize that there's no problem with whatever the shape of the tree is or whatever the shape of the cloud is, that pro it would only be problematic if I hold a notion, a belief in my mind that says clouds should look like this or clouds should not look like that. But if you don't have that notion, then you don't have that problem. That's kind of the idea behind this uh, concept of, of aimlessness. Another analogy I like is the analogy of, of falling off a, of a cliff. Um, I think it's Alan Watts. I can't remember where I heard this the first time, uh, but it was described uh, with the scenario that imagine that you're standing at the edge of a cliff and suddenly you're, you're pushed off or you slip or whatever, but now you're falling, you're free falling. And while you slip, let's say some rocks slipped with you. And this is a bottomless cliff. There is no ground. You're just falling, falling, falling. And to take comfort in the fact that you're falling, you maybe you grasp at one of the rocks that fell with you. So now picture yourself falling in an endless fall and you're gripping really tight to this boulder that, that's falling next to you. Um, the realization here is that at some point in the fall, for however long this fall lasts, you may realize, hey, gripping to this boulder is actually doing nothing for me. I can let go of it. This whole time I've been thinking, well, if I grip this, that might change the fact that uh, I'm falling, but it doesn't. You let go of the grip and you're still free falling, but now you're not gripping tight to this rock that was actually doing nothing for you in the first place. And the invitation here is to explore if that's a good analogy to think about life, you know, you're suddenly living life. Okay, well, now I'm going to, this is a little bit scary. There are uncomfortable things in this process of experiencing life. So I'm going to cling to something. Well, here's this thing next to me, this belief or this whatever, this notion, this idea, I'm going to cling to it. You may realize at some point in, in the free fall or in the, the experience of being alive, this thing that I'm clinging to doesn't change anything. It doesn't change the fact that whether I cling to it or I don't, I'm still going to continue experiencing the situation that I'm in, which is you're alive and you're experiencing everything that that entails. It may be comforting or feel comforting to be grasping after something but it could also be that the grasping is its own source of pain and discomfort. For example, the rock, again, if you're hanging onto it too tight and gripping onto it, you may have sore arms or cuts on your forearms or hands because it's a jagged rock. And again, you realize, well, it does nothing for me to be holding onto it, so I'm just going to let it go. That's another angle of exploring this overall notion of aimlessness or wishlessness. In The Heart of the Buddha's Teaching, a book by Thich Nhat Hanh, he says, quote, in several sutras, uh, which are teachings, the Buddha taught that nirvana, the joy of completely extinguishing our ideas and concepts, 
rather than suffering as one of the three Dharma seals. Close quote. So these Dharma seals, these are these three doors. Um, and the implication of this quote, what, what Thich Nhat Hanh is expressing here is that the, the extinguishing of our ideas and concepts, that's what we're trying to extinguish, the idea and the concept, not extinguishing suffering. And I think that's a really profound thing to understand, that the thing that may be causing me suffering isn't suffering in and of itself, it's the attachment I have to a notion or to an idea. And again, I like to use this analogy of the rock. If you're falling and it's already a difficult experience to think, well, crap, I'm falling. This is scary. I don't know where this ends. I don't know how this ends, but I'm gripping onto this rock while I fall. And I'm thinking I'm holding onto this rock because I don't want to suffer the discomfort of, of falling all alone. So I'm gripping this thing. We may not realize, well, the suffering that you're experiencing that is unnecessary suffering, right? Because we, we got to separate unnecessary versus natural. There's a natural suffering that arises out of the fear that, holy crap, I'm falling in the air, I'm through the air, right? You're not going to change that. Um, if you're scared of falling and, and you find yourself falling, well, then that's scary. And that's the, the, the understanding of, of uh, suffering. But the unnecessary suffering is, my arms and hands are being cut and scraped and bruised because of how tight I'm holding onto this rock. And that with introspection and taking a pause and taking an assessment of your life and everything you're going through, you may realize, oh, okay, well, part of the suffering in this overall experience of falling is unnecessary. If I just let go of this rock, I don't, it does nothing for me. I don't need this that will ease some of my suffering. And I think that's hinted in this teaching where he's saying that it's the extinguishing of ideas and concepts rather than suffering uh, that can bring about that joy. All right, so now uh, suppose we analyze the life and death of a cloud. We start the process when a cloud is formed and we say, oh, this cloud just formed. Okay, so on this day at this time, this cloud came into existence. It's born. Maybe we even create a birth certificate for it. Then the cloud uh, continues to grow and it continues to move and eventually starts to dissolve. And once the cloud dissolves completely and we can no longer see it, we say, okay, now here's the day and time that this cloud has died. And now we can create a death certificate for it. And now we have an official paper that says, here's the start and here's the finish of this cloud. But what was the cloud before it was a cloud? You'll find that all of the elements and the processes that went into play to create that thing were there before the cloud suddenly formed. So what is the cloud before it was a cloud? What is a cloud after the cloud dissolves? Um, you know, you'd realize there is no beginning and there is no end to a cloud. The form or the sign, if we go back to signlessness, that appears to have a start and a finish, but the cloud is not the, its sign. It, the cloud is all the processes, all the parts that happened before and that remain after, whether the cloud turns into rain or it turns into uh, mist or it just dissolves back into the elements in the air. There is no beginning and there is no end to a cloud. And I think that can be a very powerful perspective when we start to think about ourselves through that same lens because we're no different than the cloud. 
we think about our birth um, as the moment that we passed from non-being into being. And then we live our lives being who we are. And then eventually we die and we go back from being into non-being. And it's interesting when we look at when we look deeply at these notions, these concepts or ideas of being and non-being, we see the formlessness, the signlessness, and the aimlessness of all things, including ourselves. And perhaps this is the start of seeing things as they really are, seeing uh, that the wave is indeed just the ocean and that we are indeed something that the whole universe is doing. And I think this perspective helps to eliminate the fear we have of non-being or the fear of death. I do find it interesting when we talk about this, the fear of death, that we tend to have a sense of angst and fear about when we die. And perhaps this is fear of the unknown. Perhaps it's the fear of of non-being, of passing from being into non-being. But if you look at this on the scale again, I, I find it interesting on the scale of time that we tend to fear the day we die and all the days after as I will not be here, they're non-being. But we don't have that fear from the day before we were born, you know, which, which is interesting, right? If, I, if what I'm fearing is, well, what's going to happen when I'm not here? Why don't I feel that same fear at the beginning saying, man, had I just been born a day earlier or a year Uh, before I was born. Like I missed out on that year. I missed out on those days and weeks before I was born. We don't feel that anxiety on the front end. We only feel it on the back end, but the process is the same being and non-being. As long as you look at those as notions, but what happens when you eliminate those notions, the notion of being and non-being in the same way that we can when we think of a cloud. And I think, um, I think that's a, a really neat thing to do. Uh, the The wave has no fear of going up and going down, of going in and going out, doing what a wave does, because at the end of the day, the wave is just the ocean, and we're no different than the wave. So those are some of my thoughts around this notion of aimlessness. Uh, aimlessness doesn't mean that you don't pursue things or that we shouldn't have goals, We can still have goals, we can still pursue things, but how attached are we to the things that we pursue? How thoroughly do we understand why we're even pursuing those things? Could it be that this is an unskillful pursuit? How would you know if you've never stopped to give it time to even think? Is this something, why am I pursuing this? Uh, What is the object of your pursuit and why is it that you're pursuing it? Those are two questions that I think we should all be able to answer Uh, about ourselves when we get really honest with ourselves about why we're pursuing what we pursue. And it's a practice to avoid running your whole life and and not living it. You know, you don't want to spend your whole life running only to realize at the end, if you're lucky, if it's not an abrupt ending where you start to wind down and really think about it and have the regret of not having lived life the way you wanted. Um, What will you notice? What will you experience if you slow down and you start to analyze the objects of your pursuit? When when we're practicing walking meditation, the aim of the practice is not to arrive anywhere. You don't say, okay, walking meditation from point A to point B. You're done when you get to point B. It doesn't work that way. 
Walking meditation is the practice of just walking where you put one foot in front of the other and you're just walking and you're practicing walking peacefully. And what you may experience is a sense of contentment and joy that arises with the simple process of walking. No goal needs to be attached to it. If you enjoy walking, it doesn't matter where you end up because it wasn't about ending up anywhere specific anyway. In other words, there's no goal attached to it. So what if we were able to take some of that same style of of uh, aimlessness and apply it to our overall day-to-day life? Um, in our Western culture, we're always walking after something. The career that you're after, the financial goals, whatever it is, you're you know, we have goals and we're attached to those goals. So what would happen if you allowed yourself to have a little bit more aimlessness in life where you recognize, I don't have to arrive at this place, but sure, I'll still walk towards there unless something else comes along. And it's funny because for a lot of us, if you look back, you actually see that this happens, right? You you have your life plan. Me, for example, uh, my life plan from a young age was to be a helicopter pilot. I had posters in my room about helicopters and and I knew that's what I was going to do. And when I reached the age to be able to start doing it right out of college, I jumped into flight school and I started flying helicopters. But as life would have it, things changed and the school I was in went bankrupt, which left me in a, in a position where I wasn't able to um, continue doing it that way. I had to entertain other ideas, possibly joining the military, um, other avenues that just didn't uh, pan out. They didn't seem to work out well. And eventually I had to pivot and say, okay, this path I tried. I tried multiple angles and it's just not working. So let's try this other path. And um, that path went was a windy path that led to a place where I thought, okay, now I have a clear picture of what I want and what I'm chasing after. Well, that didn't pan out. If you've listened to the podcast long enough, you'd know that the company that I ran for eight years selling um, mobile phone photography accessories uh, collapsed. And I was left once again, okay, time to pivot. And here I find myself at this specific point in time in my life, the here and now for me, uh, doing something I never would have imagined. I I teach people how to fly powered paragliders and, and paragliding. And I find so much joy in it. In fact, I would I, uh, to be completely honest, I enjoy it more than flying helicopters. It's a more fun, more liberating style of flying. And if I had the opportunity to do the other and stop doing this, I don't think I would. I'd say, no, no, I found this now. But this was never the destination I intended to be at. But it is exactly where I am now. I think that's a little bit of that sense of aimlessness. Whether it's intentional or unintentional, we, a lot of us can look back and see we are where we are because of everything that's happened and we didn't intend to be here. Well, what if we had started at the beginning of the journey with that sense of aimlessness saying, I'm going to try this, but we'll see where we go. And the moment life throws a new Tetris piece at you, you pivot and you say, okay, well then here's this new thing I'm doing. Um, I think you would have a similar journey, but probably a lot more stress-free a lot more enjoyable, a lot less unnecessary or self-inflicted suffering. And I think that's the overall notion that's hinted in this Buddhist teaching of aimlessness. 
So hopefully some of that resonates and speaks to you. I know it certainly does to me. Um, and the example of walking meditation, again, you practice that with no goal in mind. And with that said, speaking of walking meditation, um, I, a couple years ago, I led a group on a mindfulness trekking expedition to Nepal. And it was a really fun experience. And we planned to do it again, but the following year COVID hit and it canceled it. And then the following year planned it again and travel restrictions were still in place. So twice it's been canceled. And, um, and, and now we're going back this year. So November 2022 is the year that we're going back to Nepal. I'm taking a group. I invited everyone who had signed up for the, the two years that uh, it was canceled and the trip filled up with, um, with, with those individuals. I have since had several spots open up uh, about five spots that are open right now. So I decided I would put it out there and mention it in the podcast. If you happen to be listening to this and you have any desire to do a, a trekking in the Himalayas combined with the, it's like a blend of a trek plus a mindfulness retreat. It's 15 days long. You can learn all about it and see all the details on mindfultrekking.com. And if it's something that you're interested in, you can apply right there on the website to take one of these uh, last remaining spots. If you have any questions, you can contact me on that same form, or I think my contact information is, is, is on there. Um, so yeah, that's just a side note that I think uh, I wanted to mention in case somebody's been thinking, hey, I'm up for some adventure. All right. Well, that is all I have for this episode. Uh, I look forward to sharing more thoughts in a future episode later. I hope some of these concepts and ideas resonate for you and help you to experience a life uh, with a little bit more aimlessness and a lot more peace and contentment and joy with from understanding that you're not lost because having no destination, I am never lost. So I'll end it on that note. Thank you for listening. Until next time.